well, welcome to Gather in Christ. I'm Andrea Lindsay, and I'm here with Kendra George. I said your name right. Okay, you like did. we 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 <laughs> we served our missions together, and we actually were so good. We were so connected, and then they split us up at, right when we got good. Okay, we got good. And who would have thought 25 years later this is where we'd be sitting? Now awesome. that connection can still work. <laughs> It can. We can hopefully, you know, I don't know if we'll read each other's thoughts as well as we did as missionaries, but we certainly will try. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I really, truly believe when we gather in Christ, we can be one through him. And while we'll have different experiences, different and different understanding of principles and uh, different principles that help, it's amazing how that difference actually brings the unity and brings us together in Christ and brings us closer to him. And so I'm grateful to have her support and help. And we want to talk about overcoming dilemmas today, overcoming dilemmas, because nobody has those. Maybe, maybe this is a wasted program. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody, nobody has dilemmas. I mean, when president Nelson said, If you have a dilemma, think celestial. I was like, yeah, that totally doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have those because no, last night I taught Institute and we just started the section on perfectionism. And so, and so I am a little tongue in cheek this morning with like perfectionistic thoughts and how to overcome them because that's fresh on my mind. And it's really a wonderful group of young people. And these are young adults, young single adults, 18 to 31 years old. And they're trying to figure out how to how to adult. And we're still trying to figure out <laughs> how to adult. Yeah. But but yeah. it is something when we include the Savior in on our struggles. And perfectionism doesn't allow for him. It doesn't. It's a Christless perspective. So I'm grateful that we're talking about this because we all know that we all have dilemmas. Okay. And we're just going to shed that perfectionistic, everything's fine. And just say, it's not fine. Okay. And we're not going to turn into negative people, but we're going to address these um, challenges in a way that we can access more help from heaven. And I love that because I feel like we hear these fabulous talks and it's all about here's what to do, right? But it's, it feels an overview, right? When President Nelson's saying, okay, if you have a dilemma, think celestial. My mind goes, what does that mean? What do you mean think celestial when I am in this mud of muck and I don't know how to get out. What does that mean to think celestial? And so I'm excited to really dig into this and say, how do we do it? We have the overview. Now, what are the doctrines and principles to how? And I think I want to mention this as we go through this and as we're talking that we are going to talk about doctrine and things that we know to be true the way that we practice it will all be different because of our circumstances. Chieko Okazaki said in principles have clarity in practices have charity. And it goes along with what you're talking about with that perfection is that 
we are teaching concepts that we have found to be true through our experiences backed up by scripture and prophets and apostles. The way that we practice that is going to be different than someone else because all of our experiences are different. The things that we're going through mentally, emotionally, physically, it's all going to be different. So just because we say we did something one way doesn't mean that's the right way that everyone should be doing it. And in your practices, the, the principles are clear. The doctrine is clear. The way we go about doing it, we have to have charity for the way we're doing it because the way we're doing it is going to be different than the way someone else may differ. But there are things that we can learn from one another. And so moving forward through these next few episodes, as we're digging deep into some of these principles, it's very important to remember that the practices are going to be different and we need to have charity for ourselves within those practices because we're not all going to do things the same. Oh, amen, sister. That was like perfectly <laughs> said because we live in different cultures. We live in different parts of the world where we are, we have different challenges. And so, of course, the way we practice one way is going to look different in, in different cultures and different aspects. And, and our family is a, a multicultural family. Okay. We've got some fun differences, but as we have come together and learned how to help our family gel, it works. And so, you know, and as we come together, it's, it's important to realize that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have to allow that charity as we're looking at other people's circumstances. And then the do what the neighbors are doing approach really just is part of perfectionism. And that is part of behavioral living the gospel, but not necessarily doctrinally letting it sink into our heart and mind, living the gospel and um, going through the motions. And we've heard those kind of phrases before, and it may be a little bit confusing. So I think we need to just discuss, okay, how do we dig a little bit deeper? And how do we get to this level where we are thinking celestial in our dilemmas? And, and so yeah. To start, I don't know if you want to just dive into some dilemmas and how we've I, been able to think celestial through them, but I I am game for anything. <laughs> Let's do it. Do you want okay. to go first or do you want me? Um, I had one, I, but I'm happy to okay. listen to yours first if you're ready. No, no, you go. And how long it took me to figure this out. Like it took me a while to figure out. And Looking back, I'm so grateful for the Lord's preparatory work that he did on me. I had a great friend, Nancy, who um, had lost both of her parents in her teenage years by her teenage years. She lost one before. And so it was a devastating loss, of course, but even more devastating was when the pictures were taken down and she wasn't, she wasn't given the privilege of having her parents' pictures up in the home. It was a very difficult experience for her. And she told me about that. And I remember that experience going, oh, that's really hard. That's really a hard thing. And learning it from the child's perspective was exactly what I needed because what would happen, but I would marry a widower. And what right. do we do with the family pictures? How do we like blend this so they don't feel like they've lost their mom again? I was struggling. Okay, so 
putting the pictures up and making sure that they had a, a prominent place in the home was not a problem because of my friend's experience. But figuring out how to do the first family picture was hard. Mm-hmm. How do we do this first family picture? She's not here, you know, like, right. and this was a long time ago. And since I've seen this idea repeated all, all over the place, but at the time I hadn't, I hadn't seen how to deal with this. And I was watching, I was just watching a movie, actually, it was just like a, a wholesome recreational activity. And so those <laughs> are approved, okay, in the gospel, and it was a very good movie. But um, they, they had the exact same dilemma, they were painting a family portrait that tells you how old the movie you know like the time oh, period wow. of yeah. Them. yeah they're yeah. um painting a family picture but one of the people wasn't going to be there for the sitting because they were on a mission and I was like oh right that's what they do with all the missionaries right they do the cutout cardboard things and they take them places yeah. well this needs to be a more reverential thing because she's she's not here with us anymore and so we actually had her in the center in a picture and then we were around it. Wow. And oh, that's how you deal with it. That's but it was revelation. It was a prayer. It was weeks of thought. How do I do this? You know, it wasn't an instantaneous, I know exactly how to handle this problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pondering and considering and changing making sure that everyone in the family felt like this is our family now this is how we include everybody in the family and so that was that was a great experience and we've had other family pictures since and but that first one was the most important to make sure that it was inclusive and this is our family so i that's such a sweet experience and what a testimony of the power of receiving that revelation we are able to, that's the beauty of the gospel, right? That's the beauty of having the gift of the Holy Ghost as our constant companion. The Lord wants us to receive, have the ability to have that revelation for ourselves in overcoming these dilemmas that we that we go through. And I had a, not similar, but I have to tell you, this is a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have a really close family member that I my whole life have had a comparison jealousy issue with, right? And lately it's gotten stronger and stronger. I'm like, okay, I am too old to be comparing myself still. This is a wonderful, wonderful person. I love them to death. And I am feeling prevented in my spiritual capacity to really love this person the way that I know they need to be loved. And as I have been praying about it and seeking inspiration about it, so many things that I've learned within my personal development studies over the last few years have been coming to mind. And one of those things is, am I open and you talked about that in in receiving revelation we have to be open to what we want what we don't want what the lord wants for us what we want for ourselves we cannot be closed minded having to be right 
being defensive, if we are going to seek inspiration, we have to be open, we have to be curious, and we have to be willing to learn. And through this process of trying to figure out, okay, well, what am I resisting? Why? I'm having to be a creator with God in a sense of saying, what are the questions I need to ask myself to remain open and not fall in to that victim mentality? And when I was thinking about this over conference, when Elder Uchtdorf was talking about prodigal son, the thought came to me, I needed to read the other prodigal written, uh, given by Elder Holland in April 2002 conference. And one of the things he said there in talking, he was talking about the other brother. He was talking not about the prodigal son, but he was talking about the brother who had done everything right and everything right. And he says, certainly the younger brother in speaking about the prodigal son had been a prisoner, a prisoner of sin, stupidity, and pigsty. But the older brother lives in some confinement too. He has as yet been unable to break out of the prison of himself. He is haunted by the green-eyed monster of jealousy. He feels taken for granted by his father and disenfranchised by his brother when neither is the case. He has fallen victim to a fictional affront. Mm. And that brought to my mind, where am I? Am I in this victim mode of, well, I never get this and I always am having, I have to work so hard and this comes so easy to this person and I'm putting blame, putting shame, feeling victimized of, well, it's not, you know, or even being Jim Dethmer in his book, um, the 15 conscious concepts of conscious leadership. He talks about it being a drama triangle and we're either a villain and putting the blame on people. We're a victim taking everything, thinking it's all, you know, not taking responsibility for ourselves or being a hero, which is self-martyring and like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do this and it will just make everybody happy. And you're, but you're doing it in a self-martyring way. I had to think about that in this jealousy aspect when I, when I read that from Elder Holland and saying, am I being a victim? Because if I'm being a victim, I can't solve a dilemma using the fruits of the spirit and using the gifts of the spirit if I am needing to be right. Because anything that is victimous is coming from the adversary. And so I had to pull myself out of that and start thinking creatively of what's my responsibility in this? How can I be open and curious about this? What questions do I need to ask? So instead of my prayers being, help me to not be jealous, help me to this, it was, Heavenly Father, how do I need to change? What does my mindset need to be? How do my gifts, what do I need to, how do I need to open myself up and stop resisting so that I can feel peace, love? joy, not only for myself, but for this person, so that those jealous feelings don't have to happen. And I can be in a frame of mind to where the spirit can really speak to me and not get it confused with the fruits of the adversary, which are still fruits nonetheless, and he will imitate those. And I think we need that power of discernment and that open-mindedness to say, where do you need me? Like, let the Lord prevail so that I can have that open-mindedness so that I can truly receive what's of the spirit and not what Satan's trying to imitate.
Oh, I th what a valuable lesson. I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that because jealousy is a natural man tendency and I haven't been able to escape it. And I don't think that we are lesser people when we are admitting that this is this is something I want to overcome. I want to overcome my natural tendency towards this and think celestial rise above that dilemma of comparison. It's crippling. Comparison is crippling. It keeps us from becoming who we truly are because every person that we meet is important. Every person has value, merit, gifts, and abilities that the world is not okay without their proper use of them. We need them. And when we're working together, it's, it's, in this unity, there can be no like jealousy and unity, you know, like we have to like overcome all of those tendencies. And honestly, I think that for me, and you're also like, I'm trying, I'm not trying to analyze what you're saying, but I'm just like, want to like amen what you're saying, because yep. you talked about going to a conference talk, being led to go to a conference talk. You're getting a revelation to get further revelation from a revelatory source. I mean, this is revelation uh, on fire, right? Right. This, is, right? this is where we go for our answers. This is how we think celestial during our problems. So we may say to ourselves, I don't know if I'm doing that, but we are. If we're turning to the scriptures, if we're turning to prayer, if we're listening with open hearts to general conference and expecting things that will have to change when we hear it, when we hear the message, it's like, okay, I'm going to change. That's what in Moroni 10, three through five, it talks about praying with real intent. That means you're willing to act on the answer. And that is not that you're going to do whatever you want to fit your narrative, but you're going to open up to the Lord's narrative of you and who you truly are, who you're, who you're supposed to become. And, and the scriptures for me that have helped so much is honestly uh, the simple ones. Okay, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, right? This is a favorite. Um, scripture mastery, is it doctrinal mastery too? It is doctrinal <laughs> Okay, I so, so I yeah. left seminary and institute full-time employment before doctrinal mastery took place. We were like doing all the pre-work towards that. And so now Kendra's on the up-to-date. She'll have to <laughs> up-to-date on all of that kind of stuff because because the, the church is always improving. It's always moving forward. But these scriptures, whether they were scripture mastery or doctrinal mastery, they've become my friends. It says in chapter three, verse five of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all nine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. That's what we're talking about. Admitting that we don't know enough to make this work out. I, I love my family, but I don't know their hearts and minds. I don't understand all of their experiences. Even if I'm present in, in their lives, I don't know exactly how they're feeling and thinking a hundred percent of the time, you know, right. I need the Lord's help in order to respond appropriately to dilemmas and problems and challenges. And, and each child is going to be tested to their capacity 
and we're to be their support system during those times. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that we need to remember that when we are not open, when we are closed, generally we're arguing against reality. Yeah. We're arguing against what's happening right now. And we don't want to accept what's real right in front of us. And there is a book um, by Byron Katie called Loving What Is. And I love this because she talks about this and she says, you know, she says, we can argue against reality, but we will be wrong a hundred percent of the time. And I think that's such a fascinating concept when we realize that when we argue against reality, we can't control other people. We can control us. And the way that we control us is being open, taking responsibility for ourselves and listening to the spirit because that's all we can do. We can't worry about someone else's, we, we worry about someone else's feelings, right? But we can't worry about their choices. We can't worry because those, those are their choices. All we can do is seek inspiration on what part can we play in helping them, in helping them see, you know, maybe what's missing or give them a different perspective. I love in Mosiah 2, in King Benjamin's speech, as he says, my brethren, all ye have assembled yourselves together, you that can hear my words, which I shall speak unto you this day. For I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak, but that you should hearken unto me and open your ears that ye may hear and your hearts that ye may understand and your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. We have to be open and receiving. And as we're open and we receive, we become grateful and we're able to give but we can't help other people if we're not in that form of abundance, right? If we're not being open to receiving those mysteries of God for ourselves, the Lord's not going to give us information about somebody else to help them. Right. And so it's kind of this abundance cycle, you know, we have our pride cycle, but we also have this abundance cycle. The pride cycle is, you're prosperous and you're prideful and then they suffer and then they repent. But have we thought about an abundance cycle where when we're open and receiving, when our heart is open, president Nelson talks about that in the thing celestial talk that we talked about it last episode, our hearts are changed when we are open to the Lord's will. And as we are open we receive the inspiration. We receive the revelation. We're able to receive compliments. We're able to receive things that people are giving us because of that open-mindedness, because we're in this creation mode that we are wanting to create a better life for ourselves and for others around us. But we can't do that if we're not open and we're not willing to receive. Amen. Amen to that. I I think that you make a really vital point here. And it's reminding me again of with this class that I taught last night on perfectionism. Perfectionism won't receive a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, perfectionism will, will be th- saying, things, well, well, I could have done better or I did this or did that. And it's a messed up idea of the doctrine of humility because we can 
accurately look at where we are and want to improve, there's nothing wrong with that. But if we're unwilling to accept gracious love, and then we are going to wither and die. <laughs> like it's going to be too hard. Like yes. we need to be built up. We need to be able to have resources that fill us. And if we're closed off, like you're talking about, like that's not a possibility. And, and you'll be surprised how much perfectionism can like trap us into a state of non-growth. We cannot mm-hmm. grow in a perfectionistic state. We can improve behavior on our own, but it isn't a change of character until Christ enters the picture. It right. When he changes our hearts and our minds to no longer desire it and to desire something different, like being closer to him, more fully keeping the commandments, that's the change that we're looking for. And, and he has to be the one that takes the natural man out and, and brings in the new man, the born again principle. Like we have to be born in Christ. We have Mm -hmm. to be changed through him. Now, all of the prophets talks are connected. None of them are to be looked at separately. I mean, we can gain something by looking at each one of them separately. And that's not what I'm talking about, but they're all connected. They're all trying to take us to a different level of understanding. I was reminded of the April 2022 Power of Spiritual Momentum talk when we're mm-hmm. talking about overcoming dilemmas because we're we're literally talking about the process of spiritual momentum and getting the answers because yes. he says, get on the covenant path and stay there and discover the joy of daily repentance He said, walking the path coupled with daily repentance fuels positive spiritual momentum. So Mm -hmm. if we're willing to keep our covenants, if we're willing to daily repent, then he goes on to talk about his third suggestion, which is to learn about God and how he works. And this ties into really understanding the scriptures and making them your friends. Having, um, it was Elder Scott talked about having them as his friends. And that's where I got mm-hmm. that from is he said, when I've memorized one, that's what they've become to me. Mm-hmm. President Nelson says this, he says, with frightening speed, a testimony that isn't nourished daily by the good word of God can crumble. Thus, the antidote to Satan's scheme is clear. We need daily experiences worshiping the Lord and studying his gospel. I plead with you to let God prevail in your life. See, he's he's even doing a callback. Okay, like that's yeah. a good talk. Let God prevail. Give him a fair share of your time. As you do, notice what happens to your positive spiritual momentum. And then he goes to say, seek miracles. Because if you look at the principles necessary for a miracle to happen, you actually have to be cleansed of all sin. That's one of the things that you have to have. Well, how can you do that if you're not daily repenting? You have to be in the mode of daily repenting to get to a point where you are able to seek and expect miracles, which is what he says to do next. You know, seek and expect miracles, but you can't do that without these foundational principles of keeping your covenant, get on the covenant path and stay there. You know, you have to do that first and then end conflict in your personal life. There's nothing 
more damaging to relationships than than conflict just not being able to see with new eyes a greater understanding and mm-hmm. i have another funny story if you're ready if i haven't talked i'm ready you, I'm ready okay this one's a little funnier than the other one the other one's just was a little bit hard but uh this one this one Oh, bless, bless my husband's heart. Okay. You know, it's going to be a good story when you say bless their heart, right? Because that's kind of, this is going to be good. Okay. So, and I've shared this before on other platforms. When we were moving to this Valley, this was going to be the home that we constructed together, right? That we planned out everything. And this was going to be the home that we could make sure everybody felt welcomed in. And it wasn't like our home before wasn't like that, but being prompted to move here, we didn't want to lose what we had there. And Mm -hmm. so we wanted to bring that to this new place and just build upon that good foundation, right? So we're working things out with the builder. We're designing this house. We're, We're doing these things. And something happens in the process. My husband went from building the house that he wanted to building what he thought I wanted. And this is only discovered through a very painful conversation that happens on our (laughs) wedding anniversary. And he goes, oh, honey, I want to drive by a house. This is the house I wish we would have built. You don't like the house? I'm confused. You always okayed everything. He's like, well, I just wanted you to have the house that you wanted. And I was like, oh, that's very generous of you. But that is not the point of what we were trying to do here. And I thought we were clear that this is something that we want. Mm -hmm. Something better, right? This is a dilemma. He is not happy with the house. And I do not want him resenting this build, you know, I wanted this to be a good experience. And I was like, we're in a dilemma Mm -hmm. because contracts have been signed. Things are being ordered preparations. They've already built the trusses. They've already done stuff. This is bad timing to find out that you don't like the house. And I'm (laughs) like, I'm mad. Okay. I'm mad because I felt like that was rather dishonest. You should have told me your honest feelings about it. (laughs) They don't always, they're not like us. Okay. We're different in that. And, um, I, I, he was literally just trying to do what I wanted. And so he thought it was good, you know, and I can understand from his position, but I was still mad because it was like, we have paid money. We have done a design you don't like. This is a waste. This is a waste of so much time and energy. And I am mad that we have wasted so much time. So I'm like trying to get over it, you know, because you cannot get a revelation if you're not over it. You have to just give all of your anger and anxiety to him so that he can replace it with the answer, you know, and that's what I was doing as I was praying and forgiving and forgiving myself for misunderstanding his intents and all that kind of stuff. Just forgiveness, okay? And I was forgiving. And then I was like, Heavenly Father, I don't know what to do. This is a problem that I don't know how to fix. And I need a solution a week ago. So mm-hmm. what do I do now? I don't get the like 
answers that are like very specific. Okay. Heavenly Father mm-hmm. gives me really vague answers. And I've talked about that before. The vague answer that solved all of the all of the problems was this. You only have a certain amount of time to make each other's dreams come true. Mm. I'm like, all right, fine. This is gonna cost. <laughs> this is gonna be really expensive. So I went in to the builders and I explained the situation and they were like, whoa, this is bad, man. They were like, this is like stopping a moving train. It It is going to be a little bit, but these sweet people, they gathered around. They're like, okay, how can we do this without causing significant damage? <laughs> Yeah. And still get what he wanted. And and it was a team of people that came to the rescue. Now, I had told my husband why I didn't want to do this part. I had told him it will be costly. It will mm-hmm. cause hardship for the family. And we won't have a basement. We won't be able to finish the basement if we do this because, and then we won't be able to have the kids over like we want to. and that that ability because there's nowhere to put them and mm-hmm. and all of those things did come to pass like everything every warning that i i talked about has has happened yeah. <laughs> but the happiness that that he feels in in being able to i helped design this this is like my dream place mm-hmm. you know? And, and just being able to help a dream come true. Let's, what matters, you know, what really matters in the end. And so that's a very long story to talk about overcoming the dilemma, but I full on 100% agree with everything the prophet has to say. If we want to have the spiritual capacities to deal with the dilemmas, whether they're little that one is pretty little, comparatively speaking, to some of the greater tragedies of losing loved ones and watching family struggle and suffer. And that's way harder than what I was yeah. talking about. And I don't want to trivialize anybody's experience because I know there are people that are listening with greater heartaches than that. But the path is the same. It doesn't change. When it's doctrine, it's the same formula, the same thing for everyone. Yeah. And I, the points that you make are so important because when you're talking about how you were angry and how you were feeling just this turmoil inside, we will all feel that we will all go into that drama triangle. We will all have that natural man tendencies of being angry and, and not wanting to forgive, but it is that thinking celestial is rising above that thinking celestial is saying, you know what? It's not my will. Like I, I can feel these things and we need to recognize that we will feel frustration. We will feel anger. We will feel resentment. We will feel those things, but we do not have to become those things. And when we stay in that victim mindset, because those are all 
fruits of the adversary, right? They're opposite of fruits of the spirit. When we are in that natural man state, we limit our ability. But if we can rise above it and we can think celestially to say, what would thou have me do? We, we don't have to be the emotion. We can feel it and it's valid to feel it. And we, people are going through excruciating things right now. And if we can make decisions based in a non-victimized mentality, right? In a thinking celestial frame of mind, letting God prevail, we can feel more confident in the decisions that we're making. We'll have that peace. Elder Irene in this session of conference was talking about our constant companion. And he says, if you want to receive the companionship of the Holy Ghost, you must want it for the right reasons. Your purposes must be the Lord's purposes. If your motives are too selfish, you will find it difficult to receive and sense the promptings of the spirit. The key for me and for you is to want what the savior wants. Our motives need to be driven by the pure love of Christ. Our prayers need to be all I want is what you want. Thy will be done. When we are making choices in a selfish mentality, in a victim mentality, we are not allowing the Lord's purposes to be done. And I think for me in all of my dilemmas, especially in the last, you know, I have some pretty, I'm going through some pretty rough challenges myself right now. And they're not something that I would be sharing because they're very personal, but I am noticing that as I am thinking more of what does the Lord need me to do? If I'm not putting myself in the, well, I deserve, and I should have had this and I, you know, and they've done this over and over and over and whatever. When I can bring myself above that and say, what's my responsibility? How can I be open? What am I resisting that I need to open up and allow how am I, am I letting the savior in and letting him prevail? Or am I too hung up on my own personal selfish insecurities and things that I think need to be right so that I'm not allowing. And I mean, president Irene, just, he nails it. If your motives are too selfish, you will find it difficult to receive and sense the promptings of the spirit. Yep. Yep. And that is not thinking celestial, right? when we are selfish and that's, that's the adversary and we need to be able to discern it and recognize that when we're in these dilemmas, we will be victimized. I'm not saying that you won't be a victim of something, right? We will be victimized, but it's, what are we doing with that? How are we letting the savior heal us and help us move from, we will feel victimized and I'm not downplaying that. But we have to constantly be asking ourselves: are we allowing those feelings to become a part of us? Or are we observing those feelings and saying, yes, I was a victim, but that doesn't mean that I am the victim and I need to remain the victim. Yeah. I can rise above that. And that's what thinking celestially does is it helps us rise above 
because we know what's there for us when we let the Savior and the Lord prevail. Oh, thank you. I truly know that surrendering our will and accepting the Lord's will is actually happy. It, it it's and it's sad that it's such a struggle to get there sometimes you know yeah. I, I I'm like why did I wait so long to give up that wrong idea so because this feels so much better you know even even things that are difficult the growth that's required sometimes you're like really that's a lot of growth in a short yeah. period of time am I gonna survive <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I think I've prayed those kind of prayers, you know, and my sweet cousin uh, reminded me of a wonderful quote given by President Monson in 2007, October General Conference. He said, my dear sisters, do not pray for t- tests equal to your ability, but pray for abilities equal to your tests. Then the performance of your tasks, then the performance of your tasks will not be the miracle, but you will be the miracle. I love that. Yeah, that to me kind of sums it up right there. Yeah. The miracle is sometimes that we survived and are better because of the situation. And we didn't let it break us. We let the Lord we took our broken hearts to the Lord and he mended them even better than they were before. Yeah. I love that. I love that whole, you know, when we are seeking that direction and we are willing to learn, right? We're willing to receive. The Lord can teach us amazing things. The miracles, we see the miracles more readily in our lives. It doesn't make the situation or the dilemma any easier, but it puts us in a frame of mind to have the ability to meet the task. Just And I, I love that quote. Yeah. I It was a really good quote. I was like, oh, you were inspired. I need yeah. to use that in my podcast tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, I have a homework assignment and then we're going to let Kendra wrap us up after my homework assignment. Okay. So adversity 2009 general conference by president Henry B. Irene. If you're currently going through something that you would label as adversity, I want you to sit down with his counsel and accept it as if he's talking personally to you and practice trying to get to the point where you can let go of all of the anger, let go of all the fear, everything that's blocking the spirit from being able to talk to you and listen to his voice and listen to what he has to say personally to you. And I promise you, you won't walk away unhappy and you will walk away with at least a part of a solution to your, your situation. I love that. I think that we've talked about so many things just to wrap everything up about, you know, receiving personal revelation. We are doing so much better than we think, and we are stronger than we know. The Lord has given us everything, all of these tools that we need in order to overcome these obstacles, these dilemmas. Our dilemmas are going to vary. And again, repeating what we talked about at the beginning, the doctrine is here. 
the way that we practice it, have charity with yourselves. You are doing so much better than you think. And even though you may feel like you are swimming with your head barely above the water, the Lord is there. Reach out, seek him, look for his spirit, look for his revelation because he wants to give it to you. Create an abundant cycle for yourself by being open and receiving, by being grateful for the things that you receive and by being able to give back to other people the things that you're learning. You are going through experiences that are going to impact so many people as you are open and willing to learn what the Lord needs you to learn. I love Elder Uchtdorf's when he says, I don't remember which talk it is, but he says, you will do unimaginable things. And we are all capable of that. And I think we're doing much better than we think we are in accomplishing those unimaginable things as we press forward, feasting upon the words of Christ and believing in him in all things. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.